Good morning. I love to share experiences. I don't know if you do. I imagine that you do. I love to share experiences with others. I was fortunate to have been pouring into me as a college student. And one of the most memorable experiences of my life were the times that we would go hiking in the Smokies. We'd go backpacking. We would load up. And for days uh, of smelly, um, honest distractedness, we would just get away and see, um, man, trees and sites, mountains, rivers that were as cold as ice. And we would just get to enjoy being there together. Uh, I don't think I would enjoy that alone. I mean, it would be nice, but it would not be the same. And I think that you know what I mean. Uh, I want you to take just a moment and to think about some of the things that you enjoy sharing with others. Man, what do you enjoy sharing with your friends? What do you enjoy sharing with your family, with your spouse, with your children? What do you enjoy sharing? Maybe it's a ball game. Maybe it's a a team. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's the latest TV show that you're crazy about. Maybe it's Infinity War that's about to come out that you have to go see with all your friends. I don't know what you enjoy or what you love to share. But I know that as people, we enjoy sharing things. Uh, I share as much time as I can with my grandfather. Um, My grandfather has poured into me for as long as I can remember. Um, Whether it was uh, a project that we would build for my dad for Christmas or it was a project at the house cleaning out a septic tank. Like he is there for whatever it is. And it's not because the project's always amazing, because sometimes they absolutely aren't. It's because that's what we do. We love sharing life with one another. I remember we were on a a road trip to see family, because we enjoy sharing time with family. And I remember getting to show the kids something. It's called Bristol Caverns. You've probably never heard of it, maybe. But, man, they're these underground caves, and they're ginormous. In some places, almost as tall as the ceiling. And you go in, and there are like waterfalls underneath, and there are stalactites and stalagmites, and I don't remember which is which, but you can see beautiful colors and hear unbelievable sounds and echoes, and they are really, really neat. But they're super neat when you have your two-year-old and your five-year-old and your seven-year-old running around and looking and seeing. I mean, sharing that with them is one of the greatest moments in the world. I'll never forget that. And I believe that this desire for us to share with others is absolutely built into us. It's ingrained to us. We get it honest. And I'd like to explore with you where we get this longing, this desire to share the things in this world that we find wonderful and beautiful. So if you'll look at Genesis 1 with me, we're going to start there. Right at the front of your Bible, so it's easy to find, right? Just past that table of contents, Genesis chapter 1. And so we're going to look at verse 27 for a moment. As you're turning, Genesis, we get this explosion of beauty as God creates a marvelous universe. An overwhelming, expansive, beautiful creation. And I love that after he's created, he looks and he goes. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. In verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. I love that he says, all right, now that this is here, I want to share this extraordinary beauty. I want to share all that I'm capable of with humanity. I want to create 
someone to share this with. And we know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have always been in perfect community together. And so they had relationship. But he didn't stop there. He said, as I create, I also want humans to share this with. And I love, and I love this. In Genesis chapter 3, the fall, which is, a, I mean, this, this horrible sadness where man and woman rebel against God. And they doubt his goodness and his good plan for them. There's a moment that sometimes we rush by that I I love. And I just want you to notice in Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, it says, After they had sinned, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And I believe that this is probably the most painful thing in the world that resulted from sin. I love that God walked with humanity in the garden. I love that God walked with Adam and Eve and enjoyed all that he'd created with them. See, God created and he said it was very good. And he didn't just create very good for himself to enjoy, but he wanted others to enjoy it with him. And, and the saddest part of this is that as he's walking, which would have been a common thing to enjoy the presence of all that he created, man, the saddest part here is that because of sin, Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And you've got this amazing creator who has created this very good creation and just wants to enjoy it with Adam and Eve. And in their sin, they find themselves afraid to be in his presence. And it's this distance and it's this space that happens that the whole text of Genesis and the rest of Scripture is about fixing. God does not desire for us to be separated. The truth is that the greatest desire of God's heart is to reconcile us back to Him. To bring all of His creation back to what He created it for and intended it for. He is a good Father. He's an amazing spouse. And these are the pictures that he shows, a beautiful creator who creates in his heart and his desire. And I hope this is an encouraging reminder for you this morning. His heart and his desire is not that you would simply be perfect, right? Because honestly, I'm a mess and I know some of you and you're a mess too. His desire is not that we're simply perfect. His desire is that we would be in his presence. That we would know him and that we would love him. And his desire is to share this creation with you. And so we have sin stepping in the way. And it only gets worse. If you look a little bit further in Genesis chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel about to offer a sacrifice. I don't know, how many of you guys have ever had a house guest over? Yeah? You've ever hosted friends, family, of course. So you've had friends over. And do you bring out the leftovers when you invite guests over? I'm not saying have you ever. Get some nods. They're like, yeah, absolutely. Whatever we got, we'll share it. Uh, but typically, right, if it's someone you want to honor, if it's a special guest coming over, maybe you run to the store and you get pork steaks, or maybe you can really splurge and you get the good steaks, right? Um, I don't know. But typically, when we have guests over, we do our best to honor them, right? We want to give them better than what we would do every other day. We want to give them our best. 
I don't know if you noticed this, but in Scripture, this is the heart of sacrifice. When folks are called to offer sacrifices to God, it's not so that they would be bitter and go, I can't believe you're making us give up our stuff. Here you go, Lord. No, it's, it's like inviting a friend over for a meal because you want to honestly celebrate. You want to celebrate what they mean to you. And so when they offer sacrifices, they offer a gift and honor. And so here's the, here's the thing. Cain and Abel come to offer their sacrifices. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. But Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fattest portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. And so we see this moment where Abel goes, the Lord is coming over. I'm going to offer the best sacrifice that I can, the best meal that I can. The Lord has blessed me and has shared the beauty of his creation with me. I want to give him my best. And so he lays it out and the Lord is pleased. But Cain, and this is no surprise because we see sin separating us from God. And so Cain sees this and he goes, well, I've got to give something to the Lord, I suppose. I can find some fruits to give. And instead of giving his best, he just gives some. And the Lord doesn't accept his some. But but the Lord is not furious, right? Here's what happens. Cain is furious, and his face fell. But the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. But you must rule over it. Even in this moment, God doesn't look at Cain and go, I can't believe you would bring that trash to me. He says, no, 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 it's all right. Why are you angry? Why are you furious? You don't have to walk around bitter. Just just bring what's fitting. Honor me. And recognize me for who I am. That's it. And if you'll do that, it will be fine. But as long as you're chasing sin and as long as you're separated from me, and you're going to be at risk of losing yourself to the desires of this world. And so I want, to, I want to share with you two things this morning that I believe really separate us from the presence of God. And this first one is a love for the creation. Our God made this very good, beautiful creation. And if we're not careful, we'll become obsessed with it to the forgetting of Him. If we're not careful, man, the beautiful mountains... The beautiful friendships and family, our spouse and our children. Man, the things that we can learn and the things that we can know. We'll become so obsessed with them that we've got no room left to spend it with our God. In fact, instead of sharing those things, which are beautiful that he gave to us, and I think that's a trouble that we miss. See, sometimes I'll look at my kids and I'll say, hey, Sam, Sam, I want to hang out with you for a minute. Can we, can we play together? Let's just, I want to spend some time with you. I want to spend some time with you, Sam. And sometimes he's all on board. He'll jump in, man, and we'll grab lightsabers or we'll grab like puzzles or we'll read a book or whatever. But sometimes if Sam's in the middle of something, maybe some, some good gift that I've given him, and I go, Sam, I want to spend some time with you, he'll be like, ah, uh, not right now. Uh, hold on, I'm in the middle of something. Stop talking to me right now. Uh, and what happens is that sometimes we get so caught up in something that we miss out on sharing it with the people around us. 
And it's not just Sam, it happens to me too sometimes. Sometimes we'll carve pumpkins every Halloween, right? And as we're carving the pumpkins, right, Sam's got his pumpkin and Eden has her pumpkin. And I'm like, here, let's do this. And we got the design and we're tracing it out and we're cutting. And I'm like, Sam, you're about to ruin that face. Let me get in there. Um, And before long, I'm carving a pumpkin and Sam's over there playing around and goofing off and having a good time. And I've totally messed up the moment. We're not sharing anything. I'm just carving my own pumpkin, Uh, right? That happens to us sometimes. And sometimes the stuff... Sometimes all of the things, instead of drawing us to the heart of God, which is what they were created to do, they pull us away from Him. They become too big and they distract us. And so the first thing that I want to challenge you with this morning is don't forget that everything that you love in this world, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. Our God made every bit of it. And what He asks from you and what he asked for me is that we simply, that we would enjoy it with him. One of the, the most embarrassing moments of my life um, is that I went to New York with my mother and some folks from a show choir trip. And we were there and, and she, she was like, I spent a lot of time with my friends and not a lot of time with her. Because that's what you do, I suppose, when you're 16, 15, right? And she'd go, hey, look. You don't have to spend all the time with me, but I want you to spend some time with me while we're here together. And I was like, sure, okay, we'll figure it out. And I remember it was the third day we were there, and they were taking a trip to see the Statue of Liberty. And I hadn't seen the Statue of Liberty up close, I hadn't toured or anything like that. And so she was like, this is what we're going to do together, we're going to go. But my buddies were all going somewhere else that I really, really wanted to go to. And I said, ah, I'm going to go with them, is that okay? And my mama Because she loved me, let it go. But it's probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Is that the one who helped pay for this trip, the one who brought me, the one who made it possible for me to experience all this beauty and extraordinariness and craziness and ridiculous numbers of cabs, all of this big overwhelmingness. Like, instead of sharing it with her, I just ignored her most of the trip. And it was all about me. Some of you parents of teenagers are like, yes, that's it. Why do they ignore me? I just want them to talk to me. I know, I'm sorry. I'll encourage them to open up. And maybe if you're a teenager, hear that. Man, share a little bit of your life. They're not going to try to take over. Share a little bit. But the point here is that the Lord created this beautiful world for us. And so often we become so lost and entranced in this creation, we forget all about him. And then we find him having to pull it away from us. So that he can wake in our hearts to remember it was him who gave it all along. The Lord's, the Lord's not trying to tell you that you can't enjoy music. Are you kidding? He created your ears. The Lord's not telling you that you can't see beautiful sights. And the Lord's not telling you that you can't enjoy great food. He gave you taste buds. The Lord wants you to enjoy those things with him. And in the way that he made them to be enjoyed. Does that make sense? And he's like a great dad who's sitting down with his kids and going, look, this is something new I want to show you. There's a wonderful way to do it. And if we do it well, you're going to be blown away. But if you do it poorly, this is going to be dangerous, crazy, it can be tough. Does it make sense? Yeah. And so and the first thing is this. If we're not careful, the creation becomes more important than the beautiful creator who made it for us. And we end up chasing it and leaving him. Man, our prayer this morning is that the creation would always draw us back to the creator. And every moment of every day when we enjoy something beautiful, 
And we would just say, you did this, and I love it. Thank you. That's his desire for us. The second thing that I think can be troublesome for us sometimes is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, man, God has grabbed his people and brought them out of slavery and is preparing them for a beautiful land and a beautiful future. And so Moses stands in front of them and he says, here is the plan. The Lord's called you out. You're his people. He's going to be your God. He set you free from oppressors and from horrible slave situations. He wants you to be his. And so here, here you go. He says this in in chapter 6. He says, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess. That you may fear the Lord your God. You and your son and your son's sons by keeping all his statutes and his commands, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Keep in mind here that even these commands are for our good, right? Hear, therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may greatly multiply, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then the first thing he says is he's about to unload all of these big rules that they're supposed to keep. All of the statutes, all of the, the hundreds and hundreds of, of, man, of clear pictures of what it's like to follow him and love him every day. He starts here. Now hear this, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you'll teach them diligently to your children. And you'll talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You'll write them on the doorposts of your homes and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he promised to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you, With great and good cities that you did not build. Houses full of all good things that you did not fill. And cisterns that you did not dig. Vineyards and olive trees that you didn't plant. And when you eat and you're full. Then take care lest you forget the Lord. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. It's him you'll serve, and by his name you will swear. You will not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God. Lest the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. And this is heavy, because there's a lot at stake. But the truth is, what he asks is not much. He says simply, as you enjoy what he's about to give you, be careful so you don't forget him. As the Lord unpacks these beautiful gifts that he's going to bring to you. And as you enjoy all that he has made and all that he's laid before you with every gift. Be careful that you don't get lost in them. Relax in them and forget him. Because there's a tendency sometimes to do that. Well, the people took this to heart and they made the promises and they swore their oaths and they said, we will be faithful to God. But over and over again, they drifted from him. And even the ones who thought they were being faithful got distracted. And typically, it was these very rules that caused the problems. Because sometimes, what keeps us from God 
is that we forget that he is good and that he is loving and he desires our presence. And instead, we think he just wants us to keep a bunch of rules. And he says really plainly that the commands, right, the commands all point to one thing. In fact, Jesus was asked this question. He says, let's bring it down. Let's bring it down to the simplest thing. He was tested, and they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? If we're going to take all these and bring them back, what's the point of all these laws that God's given us? And in Matthew chapter 22, he says, and it's real simple, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's it. Like The heart of this law is drawing us back to cherishing and being in the presence of God. And all of the rules that he gave, man, the only point of those was to draw you back to him. So that you could enjoy his presence and live the way that he created us to live. And this is the heart of the gospel. This is the heart of scripture. Over and over again we see it. Colossians chapter 1 verse 20 says that God sent Christ that he would reconcile all things, heaven and on earth, that he would bring back all things to himself. I mean, God did not just send his son to die on the cross so that you could escape hell. I mean, he had a bigger plan than just keeping you from pain. He wanted to draw you back to himself, which is goodness. And salvation is about you being with him forever. He is the beauty of salvation. Not streets of gold. And the Lord is beauty. And so two things that often can, can trip us up, two things that often lead us away from this beautiful presence, this man, this walking in the garden with a creator and sharing the beautiful things that he's made. And the first is often that we become obsessed with the creation. The second is that often we become obsessed with rules. In either case, we end up missing out on the one who gave all good gifts. Hmm. And I love, I love the metaphors that Scripture uses, and I love that God, when He shows up in Scripture, is a good parent who wants to, man, for you and for me to show us this beautiful world and for us to delight in Him as we delight in what He's made. I love that one of this is that of a spouse. It's one who shows steadfast and faithful love in hard circumstances and in beautiful ones. God says, I come alongside you, and if you'll embrace me and live every moment with me, then I will make your burdens lighter and your celebrations twice as big. Man. And so I want to charge you. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you the same way that Hosea encouraged Church, so if you have your Bibles, Hosea is a little bit less. Um, and I didn't mark it on purpose because I wanted to be sure that you had time to get there too. But Hosea, it's about right there if you want to find it. And if you just want to listen, that's fine too. But in this, in this passage in Hosea, mm-hmm. Hosea was a prophet who was called by God to go and marry a prostitute. And the Lord said, I want you to do this because it's going to be a picture for everyone of my people, what their relationship with me looks like right now. I want them to know that they've been unfaithful, that I am like a groom and my bride has run all over the place chasing and loving everything to the neglect of me. 
And I have been here and I have been faithful all along. And throughout this book, over and over again, he will take certain things away or he'll kind of fence his bride in to try to get her to stay away from the things that would ruin her so that her love would be pure. So she would be drawn back to him. So she would realize it was him who gave the good gifts all along. I love this. So he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to take away the things that she loves and the good gifts for a season. I'm going to back up and I'm going to step away so that she would acknowledge her guilt and seek my face and seek me earnestly. And so in chapter 6, Hosea says, this is the heart of God. Chapter 6, verse 1, he says, this is it. I realize we're in a hard place. I realize we've been unfaithful to God and he could be angry and furious and destroy us, but he hasn't. Here is the heart of God. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, but that he might heal us. He struck us down, but now he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, and on the third day he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Verse 3 says, let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. If we'll seek to know him, he is going to show up. He says, what should I do with you, Ephraim? What should I do with you, Judah? Your love is like a morning cloud, like the dew. It goes away early. And he's just pointing to how quickly we can get distracted and forget his presence. And then I love this in verse 6. He says, I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God, not just burnt offerings. Man, so this morning, that's what I would call you to. I'm not sure where you are. Maybe you have never returned to the Lord. Maybe you have never known his love or his goodness. Maybe you didn't realize that there was a wonderful, good God who created the world, who created it very good and wants you to enjoy it in a beautiful way, but that our sin and our rebellion, our chasing other things, keeps us from him. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe this morning you'll return to him. Maybe this morning, because of what Christ did to show his love to us, you'll come back. Or maybe... Maybe for you, this has always been about rules or simply not going to hell. And I want you to hear this morning that it is about you being brought back to God and experiencing every moment with him. And the Lord says, what I want from you, not perfection, not your sacrifices. Not, what I want from you is steadfast love. And I want you to know me. I just want you to know me and to be with me and to enjoy me and to love me. And maybe, man, you're like me and many others who get super busy and who have lots of plans and lots of goals and lots of ideas and who love all sorts of things in this world that God gave us that are good. And in chasing all of those things, you forget him far too often. And this morning is a chance for you to return. He's inviting you to return. Don't let your guilt keep you from him and the whole point of it is to draw you right back to him to arms that desire from you your presence your steadfast love and to get to know him this morning i want you to know and to be encouraged at this that what the lord wants from you most 
is like a loving parent to share this life with you, your good moments and your bad ones, and for you to see his goodness in all of it. Will you return to him this morning? We're going to stand together, and we're going to have a chance for you. If you want to come and pray, has a chance to return to the Lord, to seek his face, and to say, I want to love you, you can do that.